This is the Joe and Amber podcast. No joke. That was a conversation you heard on air about UFOs right before this show started. We almost scrapped everything to talk about Antarctica with you, the people. But we're not going to do that to you. We're not going to take you down that rabbit hole. The sound you're listening to right now, that's one Joe Fortinball. Thank you for checking us out this evening here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Only Amber's not here. (laughs) She got called up to the show. She did the morning show this morning. Good for her. She's doing it again tomorrow morning. Left me down here in the sewers with Drew Carter. What's good, Drew? How you doing? Slumming it down here with me. That's why I got the call up from, uh, from AAA to be on Joe and Amber today. And let me just say, Joe, you might not be talking about Antarctica tonight. I might be talking about Antarctica tonight. Don't speak for all of us, James, Rachel, everyone here up in Bristol. I think we're going to get into that uh, later on in the show. No, we're not, because I will be held accountable and you will not. You will leave this <laughs> show after tonight. You're going to go do the morning show tomorrow. Yeah, you can right. take your shenanigans there. Have fun with it. But if you get loose, if you get loose with the lips tonight, that comes back on me, pal. You know how that works, right? This is the best place to be. No responsibility for me. It doesn't reflect back. Doesn't reflect back. I could be saying there are aliens in Antarctica right now, and everyone would be like, did you hear what Joe Fortenbaugh said on the radio right. last night? This guy's crazy. I used to, when I was doing fill-in stuff, I used to look myself in the mirror right before the show, and it's like, what's the most ridiculous thing I can say tonight to make some noise? I mean, to make some serious noise. I want to take a blowtorch to the show, and then I just want to go on Twitter and see what happens afterwards. Right, it's like that meme. I have nothing else going on. Look in the mirror. Get in there and make it about you. <laughs> We're, we're doing our, right. our top five worst NFL teams. This is ripe for just absolute shenanigans and chicanery. I'm going to say something ridiculous later in the show. How can I take this gigantic multi-continental company and make it all about me? All about Joe Fortenval. That's right. Well, we're going to see if we can get to that tonight. Joe Fortenval, Drew Carter, thank you so much, everyone, for checking us out tonight. July 4th weekend means several things. Hot dogs, fireworks disgruntled NBA superstars who want to be traded. Last year, it was Kevin Durant. This year, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. He put in the official request he wants out of Portland. So now we have to sort through the details. The Miami Heat possibly involved. The Brooklyn Nets. The Philadelphia 76ers. Los Angeles Clippers. We know the who, Drew. But we got to know, first and foremost, how long. Do you see this playing out in a timely fashion so that in the next 24 to 48 hours we get an answer? Or is Sports Talk Radio going to be consumed <laughs> by the future of Damian Lillard for the next few weeks? This is the Aaron Rodgers situation of the NBA, Joe. We've, we've got something to talk about for the entire summer. You know, what's the rush if you're Portland? What's the rush? It's not like you need to... You get your guys ready for summer league. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Summer league, which by the way, starting tonight over on ESPN two. Victor Wembanyama's playing. That's at eight Eastern, so under an hour. Company man, nice That's job right. there. Com- company man. That's why I got the morning show tomorrow with Amber. Um, that does not open up the door for an Antarctica conversation later. <laughs> Let me be very crystal clear about that again. That's right. But you know, there there is there's no rush, and I think if I were Joe Cronin, Blazers GM, I would take a page out of Daryl Morey's book the Sixers president of basketball ops, and I'd say, I'm not in any hurry here. You know, Daryl Morey, after Ben Simmons requested a trade, he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and it was like, there's no way Ben Simmons is ever going to play another game for the Sixers, but until I get a good offer, I'm going to hang on to him. And lo and behold, James Harden wanted out. I think that was the second trade request for James Harden in the last five years. We're now on our third James Harden trade request. But by the time a disgruntled superstar came available, Daryl Morey was ready with his ammo and Ben Simmons. And here's the thing about Damian Lillard too, Joe. 
he does not strike me as the type of guy who's going to sit out. He loves playing basketball, just like Kevin Durant. When the Nets said, all right, Katie, you want out? That's fine. We're going to wait until we have a good offer for you. Guess what? Kevin Durant decided to play basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. Damian Lillard will do the same thing for the Portland Trailblazers. So if they don't get the offer they're looking for, they're not going to do anything right now. No doubt. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance. That's Drew Carter sitting in for Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fornball. Thank you for checking us out this evening. What I find utterly fascinating about this situation in Portland, and you're right, take your time, get the best possible deal, leverage every team against one another, pit them against each other for Lillard's services, and cash in as big as you can. What I find utterly fascinating about this is that Portland is being more diligent in moving Damian Lillard than they ever were in building around Damian Lillard. Like all the these years, the last decade, have you ever seen Portland take their time and be so methodical with how they were going to compete for a championship with Damian Lillard, who they were going to bring in, how they could improve the roster? No, it was never like this. But now that he's on the move, now he's finally going to leave <laughs> Portland, everybody slow down. We want to call meetings. We want to have additional Zooms. We need to talk through this. We need to extract every last possible dollar of value when moving away from one of the most beloved players in franchise history. They handed Jeremy Grant a five-year contract worth $160 million like seven seconds after free agency started. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't have been more excited to sign Jeremy Grant (laughs) long-term. But I'm interested in what you said there, Joe, because, you know, since it's been a few days since the Dame trade request and since this is the top story on basically every radio show on this very network, the mighty ESPN Radio, I've noticed that that the narrative is that the Blazers have not done a good enough job surrounding Damian Lillard with talent. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, is that really true? I don't know exactly what people wanted the Blazers to do. It is not a free agent destination. And to be fair, no one's ever said, I want to play with Damian Lillard badly enough to go to Portland. That hasn't happened. There have been plenty of disgruntled superstars and plenty of free agents who could have done that and didn't. He had a great teammate in LaMarcus Aldridge when he first got there. LaMarcus Aldridge fell off a cliff. And ever since then, he hasn't really had a number two. But my question is, what do people want Portland to have done in Damian Lillard's 11 years there? You're not drafting in the top five because Damian Lillard won't allow you to be bad enough to draft in the top five until this year when they basically benched him so they could tank. But we're looking at a a market here where I don't really think it's, it's the front office's fault that they never got past a Western Conference Final. I actually think the fact that they made a Western Conference Final is an achievement. So, you know, to say that the Blazers have failed Damian Lillard, and I know that's not what you said, Joe, I just feel like that's kind of the the common narrative now, and like, thank God Damian Lillard's getting out of Portland. The guy is not Jokic or Giannis. He's he's not LeBron. He's not going to carry you to a championship by himself. I think the fact that they made one Western Conference Final is actually pretty good. The other element to factor in to play along to that point is how far do you think you're going to go when the prime of Damian Lillard's career coincides directly with a dynasty in the Golden State Warriors? Right. Like James Harden takes a ton of heat for not advancing far enough in the playoffs, for not reaching the finals. He couldn't get past the Warriors. It's a great point. It's a dynasty. It's not as if every year there's a different team contending. One year it's Denver, one year it's Phoenix, and you just never made your mark. You had one of the greatest teams ever assembled – 
living in your backyard, taking up residence as the best team in the conference for the better part of, what, seven or eight years? How are you going to get past them? The Warriors, I was covering them in the Bay Area. It seemed like every year, first, second, or third round, you were going to face Portland, and Golden State was going to absolutely run them out of the gym. So more on this throughout the course of the show. we got to talk about whether or not Miami is going to get this deal done because they appeared to be the front runners, but it looks like a couple other teams are creeping up into contention for Damian Lillard services. Kyrie Irving back with the Mavericks, surprising to some, but will things be any better this year than they were last year? We're going to talk about that next. He's Drew Carter. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Mavericks and Kyrie Irving have agreed to a three-year, $126 million deal. I love it. I think it's fair for both parties. The Irving number has given them more flexibility to kind of add in free agency. He's a box office player. He is that dude. All right, so let's talk through this. Is there any reason to believe the second iteration of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic together again in Dallas will perform any better than what we saw last season? Alongside Drew Carter, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So you heard it right there in the update. Irving's back to the Mavericks. It's a three-year, $126 million deal. Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks late last season from the Brooklyn Nets. He played 20 games with the Mavs, averaged 27 points, five rebounds, and six assists per game. Those are healthy numbers. Shot 51% from the floor. That is a career high. Again, only 20 games, but still a career high. And he shot 39% from deep, which is extraordinarily efficient. Drew Carter, any reason to believe it's going to be different this time around? Are they going to have more success running it back this year? Joe, those are some great numbers. I love those numbers. Here are the two biggest numbers that actually matter. For this question, the Mavs were 8-12 and 12 with Kyrie on the roster last year. I think they traded too much depth in that Kyrie trade, getting rid of DFS, getting rid of some other guys who really helped them defensively especially. Because keep in mind, 
when this Mavs team was surprising a couple of years ago and when they crushed the Suns in, in that game in Phoenix to move out of the Western Conference Final, they were a good defensive team under Jason Kidd. They're not good defensively anymore. And a big reason why is what they gave up in the Kyrie trade. And I just think when you have a ball-dominant player like Luka Doncic, a guy who is heliocentric, right? Everything revolves around him. It's hard for a guy like Kyrie to fit in. Even though the numbers are great, they just, I don't think, have enough depth to do any better than they did last year, which, let's be honest, Joe, was a disaster for the Mavs. The fact that they missed the play-in altogether, they finished 11th in the Western Conference, that's a disaster. That can't happen with a guy we all agree is as good as Luka Doncic is. I mean, he's a top-five player in the NBA to build around right now. If you miss the playoffs again, who knows? Maybe he's the next guy who wants out. You shouldn't get those results when you have two guys on the same team that appear in everybody's, what, top 20 list? Like if you took the top 20 players in the NBA, who's ranking that list and leaving one of those two guys off it? You might even be able to go top 15 because there are a lot of people that feel very strongly about Kyrie Irving. 25 to 1 now to win the championship, 12 to 1 to win the Western Conference. That's seventh best. Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Grizzlies. And now the Mavericks at 12 <laughs> Laughing to at one. the Grizzlies. Yeah, Laughing. Think about that. Like you went out and you spent three years, $126 million on Kyrie yeah. Irving to put it alongside Luka Doncic, and that doesn't even get you past the Grizzlies, whose star player in John Morant is going to be suspended 25 games to start the season. It does have you in front of the Kings, who are 18-1 to one to win the West, and the Pelicans 25-1 to one to win the West. I bring up the gambling because as a noted degenerate gambler, Drew Carter, I make a habit of trying to build a case for the other side, right? Like the opinion of most is that this didn't work the first time. It's not going to work this time. Kyrie Irving is just too inconsistent in terms of how much he's going to give you night in, night out versus what other interests he might have going on or whatever else is distracting him. So I go through the career. Now, I'm not saying this is what I believe, but when I'm done here, tell me if there's a stronger case to be made that maybe just maybe it could be better than we realize. In Cleveland, he leaves. Everyone looks at that as a situation as he couldn't get along with LeBron. You could make the case that he understood exactly what was happening there. Based on what happened in Miami and what was happening in Cleveland, he was kind of a chess piece in LeBron James's quest to build his legacy, right? It wasn't like they were Batman and Robin. It wasn't like they were equals. It was LeBron James bringing a title to Cleveland, and Kyrie Irving was lucky enough to play a part. He decides he doesn't want to be a part of that. He goes to Boston. Things go horribly wrong in Boston, but Irving battles injuries while he's there. Gordon Hayward battles injuries while he's there. And while that could have been a very good team, the injuries derailed them. Doesn't work out. Irving leaves Boston. He ends up in Brooklyn. You got a bunch of injuries to Kevin Durant and everything in between. The COVID situation breaks out. He doesn't want to get vaccinated, so he can't play. This obviously becomes very polarizing. It's a lightning rod for attention. And then that falls apart. And now he goes to Dallas, he plays 20 games, puts up good numbers, but they don't win. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a case, if you really want to stretch it, to be made that a lot of this stuff happened, but perhaps it's behind him. Perhaps if he stays healthy, you know, he's not battling a LeBron situation with legacy. He wouldn't battle injuries like he did in Boston. He's not going to have to worry, hopefully, about another global pandemic breaking out <laughs> in the state of Texas. And that maybe, just maybe, these guys figure out how to exceed expectations and maybe challenge a little bit in the West. Am I crazy? Joe, let me ask you this. 
when you were <laughs> this can't be good. When you were in college at Penn State, and you were you were going to champs late at night, and look uh, at you, yeah, you look were, at you. You were hanging out in State College. You were walking down the street screaming "We are" across the street at people. Was there ever a romance in your life where you know you were with a woman who cheated on you, but you got back together, and then she broke your heart just to your face? She said, "I can't do this anymore." And then, you know, you got back together. And then you realize that she's, you know, $200,000 in debt and actually, you know, on the run from the cops. And then you get back together. (laughs) And then you're like, but, you know, if we take those situations case by case, like, look, that guy was really attractive. She cheated on me with. And then, you know, she just was in a different place as I was. And maybe she's innocent. You know, we can do this with Kyrie. We can do this. But but at the end of the day, Joe, this is a pattern. And look. I, I hate being the guy who tells professional athletes how to live their lives. Like, if you want to go to a better situation, you do that. But ultimately, we can't rely on you. And so if I'm a Mavs fan and I'm looking at the landscape of this roster and I'm like, who are we bidding against for Kyrie Irving? Because it's interesting how you said they've got two top 20 or potentially two top 15 players. I don't disagree on the court, but is there a player in the NBA with a bigger chasm between their on-court value and their value as a player and as a piece of an organization than Kyrie Irving, if you're starting a franchise, he might be one of the 15 best players in the league, but you're not drafting him in the top 50 of current guys to build your your franchise around because who knows when he's going to want to leave? Who knows when he's going to decide to sit out, right? I mean, this side of Ben Simmons, Joe, he's the least reliable player in the NBA. Why is it then, that's Drew Carter, I'm Joe Fortenball, this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, why is it that so many different players in the NBA continue to vouch for him? So many teams continue to hold him in high demand. We from the outside see all these situations happening and we always put it on him, and I'm sure a lot of it's his fault, I'm not trying to make excuses, but everywhere you look, Durant wants to play with him. Luka wants to play with him. Otherwise, why would Dallas have pursued him, right? All these turns, you have guys that come out of the woodwork to say one of the best teammates they ever had was Kyrie Irving. I don't know if there's anyone that's more misunderstood between his perception amongst the fans and his perception amongst former teammates and other NBA superstars. Well, that's the crazy thing, Joe, is, yeah, they everyone says he's a great teammate, and his track record suggests he's actually the worst teammate in the NBA because he he's not loyal to franchises. And again, if you want to improve your situation, that's great. More power to you, but you can't expect anyone to trust that you'll be there. And the, the Kyrie career is just going to be amazing to look back on in 100 years because I'm looking at his basketball reference. When they won the championship in 2016 and he hit that amazing shot in Game 7, he was yep. 23 years old. He was already a three-time All-Star by the time he was 23 and a Finals hero. And to look back on that now, seven years later, it's like, man, it, you know, if he had just played basketball and had never wanted to you know, bounce from Cleveland and bounce from Boston and bounce from Brooklyn, his career looks way different. To your point earlier, they gave up, they being Dallas, so much to acquire him that for everyone who thinks it's crazy they brought him back, what were the other options? To give up Dorian exactly. Finney-Smith and all that, all that talent and then have Kyrie play 20 games and then leave and be stuck with nothing? The next guy out the door is Luka Doncic, and then you're at square one. All right. We got a lot to get to here. If I had a tease, I would read it. I don't. So it's going to be a surprise segment next. That's Drew Carter. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 
Welcome back to the show. He is Drew Carter. I am Joe Fortenball. Amber Wilson filling in on the morning show. So she's not rolling with us today. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. A lot to get to over the remaining course of the show, but let's start by trying to make a little money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Uh, it's been a while since we last spoke. I was filling in on some other shows last week. So the last show we did was two Fridays ago, I believe. And we went 4-0 plus 5.25 units, absolutely smashing the UFC. So overall as a show since January, 152 wins, 139 losses, two ties. We are up 1384 Units. Pizza Money number one. It's a baseball game that starts tonight, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. It's the Seattle Mariners and the San Francisco Giants. We're going to take the dog here. Give me Seattle plus 125. Brian Wu is pitching for the Mariners tonight. He might be the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball. Two or fewer earned runs in four straight starts. But the start before that was his first start of the season, and he gave up six earned runs. So he's got this 4.37 ERA that makes him look a Slightly below average, let's say. But if you look at the XERA, 2.46. That's better than Spencer Strider, Shohei Otani, Clayton Kershaw, Garrett Cole, Shane McClanahan. You get where I'm going here. Drastically underrated, plus 125. We'll take a shot on Seattle over the Giants. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. All right. Little sound on, sound off, so we cede control of the program and turn it over to producer extraordinaire James Steele. James, welcome to the show. I'm glad the title uh, just stays with me, even though Amber's not here. Yeah. Thank you. All right, now, after finishing the regular season with the best record in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the eight-seeded Heat. After that disappointing and early exit from the postseason, the Bucks mostly stayed pat in free agency, bringing back Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, their top two free agents. So where do the Bucks stand now? Brian Windhorst says that championship window might be closing. The way the NBA is structured, especially for a small market, you're not really able to maintain being competitive this long. This is one of the reasons why the Warriors run is so remarkable on so many levels, that they have been able to hold it together. You know, the Bucks have traded so many picks away to get players over the years to build their team, which has been smart. As an example, they traded five second-round picks to get Jay Crowder. Like, they are kind of gassed as an organization in terms of team building. They're in the repeater tax. Everything they do costs them, like, eye-watering amounts of money, and they've gassed all their draft picks. Like, they are coming to the exhaustive end. You know, Lopez and Middleton are, and Holiday are all in their 30s. They're aging out and are super expensive. So, you know, there does look like there is a sunset beginning in Milwaukee. Joe, are Giannis and the Bucks going to be one and done when it comes to winning championships in Milwaukee? I mean, if you phrase it like that, I would say yes, because it's extraordinarily difficult to win a championship in the NBA. They've gotten one. I do believe they are seriously contenders. Serious contenders would be the way to phrase that properly if I knew how to do that. I do believe they are serious contenders moving forward. Those were the two biggest acquisitions that they had to deal with this offseason. Middleton and Lopez. They got him back in the fold. Lopez is one of the best defenders in the NBA. Middleton's one of the more underrated players in the NBA. So they are good enough as constructed to run it back with a solid regular season. 
high seeding in the Eastern Conference, and then in position to make a move. I mean, let's remember, they flamed out last year. Giannis got hurt. They couldn't make a shot. Miami was hitting everything. Coach Bud's brother had passed away, so they were, he was dealing with that. And, I mean, you got to factor that in. The guy is human. So, ultimately, I don't. if you're going to phrase it like that, I'd say they don't win another just because it's so hard to pull it off. But they're still very much in contention moving forward, Drew. 100%. And... You know, I think about that Vince Carter meme where he says, I got one more in me. That's become popular <laughs> on Twitter. Look, I think Wendy's absolutely right, but that does not mean the Bucks aren't contenders for this year and next year at the very least. Brooke Lopez, yeah, he might be reaching the twilight of his career, but you said it, Joe. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. He led the league in blocks last year. He was a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis has won that award. Drew Holiday is still one of the best defenders in the league at that position. They bring in a coach and Adrian Griffin, who's a defense-first coach. I think they changed things about the system. It felt like it got a little stale under Bud, even though I like him as a coach. And, you know, of course, sending him the best because you said at the tragedy he went through with his brother dying in a car crash in the middle of that series, it wasn't just the Giannis injury. He played less than half the possible minutes he could have in that series. It was also the fact that Jimmy Butler turned into – Michael Jordan is prime in that series. And then when he kind of cooled off by the time the finals came around, they lost in five. So, number one, the Heat were not a typical eight seed. Number two, the Bucks had injuries and other stuff going on. They're still very much a contender. Favorite or the co-favorite in the East this year, James? Sounds like a lot of excuses uh, you're making for the Bucks there. <laughs> uh, the, MLB no me. the MLB All-Star rosters were announced last week. and One player who didn't make the list was Fernando Tatis Jr., who was suspended 80 games last year and then some of this year for testing positive for a banned substance. Earlier today on ESPN Radio, Peter Byrne says Tatis should never be an all-star again. I'm a firm believer, Rob, that if you get popped for substance abuse or, or, or any type of uh, abusing substances in the, in the banned topics or banned list, you should never be an all-star ever again. Like, you lose that right. And, and this is something. I like Fernando Tatis Jr., I think he's exciting for the game. I think he's a great player. Hell, I think he may have even made a mistake, which I don't necessarily 100% believe that it was uh, on the up and up, but whatever. He got popped. He got suspended. And if that's the case, you should lose that right. Forever? You should lose the right forever. True. Do you agree with Peter Burns on this? So if you get popped one time for PEDs, what else are you not allowed to do? Are, are you not allowed to be eligible for an award? Ever again? Are you not allowed to, you know, sign autographs? Obviously, you're not going to make the Hall of Fame. We know that. That has been established by the writers. You won't make the Hall of Fame. Fernando Tatis has played at an all-star level this year. He missed the first 20 games of the season. He's playing right field occasionally, which he's obviously not accustomed to. And he is still sixth in the NL in wins above replacement. He is an all-star. And you know, ultimately, he's going to be held accountable for the PED thing when it comes time to potentially make the Hall of Fame, if that's how his career unfolds. I think you can let him play in the All-Star game. Plus, Joe, the All-Star game is an exhibition, and it is partially voted on by the fans, at least for the starters, and it is partially to grow the game. Fernando Tatis is polarizing and exciting. I say put him in the All-Star game. I think it's a fascinating idea that if you really want to make sure you have no PED substance abuse whatsoever in baseball, you put a penalty like this out there, and that's the type of thing that's going to cut down 
on usage. You don't want guys on the pitching mound using sticky substance. Tell them they get a suspension and then they can never qualify for an all-star game ever again. You're going to have guys thinking twice. So I think it's interesting where Peter goes with that. But ultimately, what do we want to be? And how do we prove whether or not it was malicious? Some of these suspensions come because a guy takes a supplement that has something in it that he was unaware of, and it ends up drilling him. And some of those things barely matter or barely register, but it ends up coming up on the test. So on one hand, I think it's intriguing if you really want to crack down, but how much do you want to crack down? And where do we want to be on forgiveness as a society? Do we really (laughs) want to have a penalty where we hammer people that badly for making a mistake, even if they, they knowingly did it? Even if Tatis knowingly went out there and took PEDs, do we want to bury him forever? I, the punishment in this case does seem to fit the crime. If he's not getting into the All-Star game, well, public perception. you got to get out and change it because the fans do have a say in this. All right, speaking of baseball, you can tune into an Independence Day doubleheader tomorrow as the Yankees host the Orioles, followed by the Braves at Guardians. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is Joe and Amber. We're playing Sound On, Sound Off. That's good company nice, work right there by nice you. Nice Good reset, company Jamesy. work. Hey, that's been, great company work. I was not going to be doing that. Thank you. Uh, okay, so let's go to the NFL. The NFL season is right around the corner, so that means the Dallas Cowboy hype train will be leaving the station imminently. <laughs> they finished last season 12-5, good enough for second in the NFC East, but lost to the 49ers in the divisional round. A lot of people were convinced that Mike McCarthy's job might be in jeopardy this offseason, but he's back and he's going to have be calling plays this year. So uh, is there more pressure on Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott this season? Here's Mike Tannenbaum earlier today on ESPN Radio. I'll go with Dak because if he could just play point guard and get the ball out of his hands, and they have great run-after-catch guys like Lamb, like Tony Pollard, because you have a championship defense, you have a quarterback that just can't make the mistakes. I love Dak. I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. Uncharacteristically, though, those 17 interceptions, 11 of those were when they had the lead or the game was tied. That's unacceptable. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Dak specifically to cut down on the turnovers. All right, Joe. Mike Tannenbaum says more pressure on Dak this year. Uh, what do you think? Pressure on Dak or McCarthy? Tannenbaum makes some good points. I always respect his opinion. I do respectfully disagree here. I go the other side. More pressure on McCarthy. If McCarthy doesn't get it done this year, he's getting fired. Like We all know that. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, is gone. McCarthy's taking on the play-calling duties as a result. McCarthy couldn't handle when to call a timeout. He has no idea how to manage end-of-half situations in the NFL, and he had nothing on his plate other than that. Now he's got to take play-calling on, and you're telling me the game management's going to get better? If, If this offense, which is loaded with talent, Drew, doesn't perform an extraordinarily high level, he's going to take all the heat as he should because Kellen Moore is going to be with the Chargers probably getting big results out of Justin Herbert. So Prescott's still got the contract. He's got another year. He's going to be fine. All the blame's on McCarthy if it doesn't go well in Dallas. I think from a public perception standpoint, it might be Dak Prescott because everybody loves to hate Dak Prescott for some reason. I think he's an above-average starting quarterback. But you're 100% right from a practical perspective. All the pressure's on Mike McCarthy. I mean, they're not going to fire Dak Prescott. They gave him a big contract. He doesn't become a free agent until 2025. You ain't firing the franchise QB. You might fire the head coach. And the Packers did it even though he had won a Super Bowl um, some years ago. So even though Jerry Jones was patient with Jason Garrett and maybe he'll do the same thing with Mike McCarthy, I think you're right. If they struggle, if they miss the playoffs, maybe even don't win a playoff game this year, he's probably gone. 
That's those sultry sounds belong to one Drew Carter. My name is Joe Fortenball. He's filling in for Amber Wilson here on Joe and Amber ESPN Radio, and that is Sound On, Sound Off. Now it's time to rank some stuff. I'm going to give you the five worst teams in the National Football League next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Welcome back to the show. Hope you are enjoying your 4th of July weekend alongside Drew Carter. I'm Joe Fortenball. Amber Wilson filling in on the morning show this morning, tomorrow. Called up to the big show. She's big time. Doesn't let anyone know about it. Still down here in the gutter. Still very much fond of it. And Drew Carter, you're here with me. Smiling, laughing, but you're doing the big show tomorrow too, are you not? That's right, and uh, I'm actually at the. I end. don't actually need any more analysis. I just needed you to go <laughs> at ahead. The, and at agree. the end of the big show tomorrow, <laughs> I am going to reveal who I like working with better. Oh, from Joe how about and Amber. that? Yeah, right. How about that? All right, we'll go ahead and uh, forward promote to when that's happening, and I will be sure <laughs> to check that out. James, you yeah, you tag, tag us all on that IG post. <laughs> I will maintain there is one correct answer. So oh. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I, she I doesn't mean, like me very much. It'll be on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. I refuse right. to use that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that doesn't, we could look, we could do this for hours. We could do the whole, we could do this for hours. I got to reel it back in here. Usa. We're ranking things all summer long here on ESPN Radio. Let's go to work. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. So badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo. Herbert rolling right, throws, touchdown. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them. The top five worst teams. Number five. The Joe Fortinball edition. Five worst teams in the NFL for this upcoming season. Number five, the Los Angeles Rams. Five and 12 last year. Did nothing in free agency. Did nothing in the draft. But they did go out and lose one of the game's best cornerbacks in Jalen Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins. So there is that. Matthew Stafford is back, yes. But this is a team that mortgaged its future to win a Super Bowl. Mission accomplished. You got the Super Bowl. And there are a lot of fan bases that would be okay with that. The problem is that was two years ago. And now it's time to pay the bill. And with no money to spend and no draft picks to bring in young talent, the team continues to get worse and worse. If you go 5-12 and 12 and you lose star players and bring nothing else in, I don't know how you're going to get any better. It's the Los Angeles Rams at number 5. Number 4. The Indianapolis Colts. This was a tough one, but the offensive line is a problem. And that in and of itself is a really big problem when you're trotting out a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson who has an incredible physical skill set but isn't NFL ready as a passer. I'm not sure if you're all aware of this, but you need to be able to pass to play the quarterback position in the NFL. Now, the sky is the limit for Richardson, but this season under a rookie head coach and a shaky offensive line – It's going to be suspect. The Indianapolis Colts, number four on my top five worst NFL teams list. Number three. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The further they get away from Bruce Arians as their head coach and Tom Brady as their quarterback, the worse it's going to get. Todd Bowles is a really, really solid coordinator. Really solid. But he's not a great head coach. 
and we're seeing this at a second location. All right, Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask for the starting quarterback job is not inspiring anybody. And speaking of Mayfield, this is his fourth team in three years. That is never a good thing for an NFL quarterback. Number two. The Houston Texans. They're trending in the right direction, but this is still a team that's won four or fewer games in three straight seasons. They're trotting out a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans. They're trotting out a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. No, oh, by the way, that rookie quarterback is going to be playing behind a highly suspect offensive line with a very questionable arsenal at his disposal. The defense isn't any good. They ranked 27th in scoring last season. They did draft Will Anderson. The future is bright in Houston. It's going to take some time. Unfortunately, it's going to take more time than just this year. So they're my second worst team in the NFL. Number one. The Arizona Cardinals. Terrible ownership. Terrible management. A commitment to dysfunction. Minus 109 in point differential last year. That was third worst in the NFL. But that was with a healthy Kyler Murray at quarterback and DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is gone, and we have no idea when Murray is coming back from his knee injury suffered late last season. You got a rookie head coach. That's a big question mark as well. Leadership issues abound. Tons of money given to that aforementioned quarterback. Who knows if he's ready to take on the leadership role. Everything's a mess. There's a reason they're the favorite to have the worst record in the NFL. For me, five worst teams in the NFL. Number one top of the list, the Arizona Cardinals. So this is where we bring in Drew Carter, who's sitting in for Amber Wilson. Drew, you heard the top five. I open up the floor to you. Your thoughts, your notes. What did you love? Everything. What did you hate? Nothing. Feel free to fire away. Well, what I hate is that I love it so much. It's pretty chalky, Joe. Thank you. Thank I you. mean, dude, we we started the show by saying let's let's say some dumb stuff. Let's make some headlines. <laughs> let's let's anger some fan bases. And this is, I mean, you said it. The Cardinals are the favorite to have the worst record in the league. I actually think they're excited if they're the worst team in the league. If they get the number one pick, probably not going to draft a quarterback because. They've got Kyler. We'll see how much he plays this year, but he's the yeah, guy think in about the that. They'd have to trade back again because with Caleb Williams coming out of USC and Drake May coming out of North Carolina, everybody's going to be looking to trade up for those guys. But how fascinating would it be? Because Caleb Williams is being talked about as a generational prospect. And I, as a guy who covers the ACC, actually think Drake May could be even better he's than good. Caleb Williams is. So how interesting would that be if the Bears are, or I'm sorry, if the Cardinals are sitting there at one? I, I had the Bears on the mic because this is exactly what happened to them this year, just not with a potentially generational prospect like those two guys. If the Cardinals are sitting there at one, I bet more than half their fans would say, "Let's take the quarterback." Enough of this Kyler stuff. Really, Kyler, Kyler gets he gets injured. He has the Call of Duty thing, right? He has it written into his contract. They don't ever win. I think you're going to start hearing some some Cardinals fans saying it's time to move on from Kyler if they do get the first pick this year. How would they even facilitate something like that? They'd probably – I can't even imagine what the dead cap number would be on the contract. They're not going to release him, but I think they can trade him. Someone will trade for Kyler Murray. Oh, this is just reckless commentary, James. This is just reckless commentary. Somebody's got to do it. If you're going to go chalk in your bottom five, got to get reckless. All also, right, we're also to if you're drafted – but if you're drafted a quarterback, that you know they don't make that much money. You can probably keep Kyler for another year or two, right? So I think it says after 2023, if you move on, the dead cap number is $97 million. (laughs) See, that's just reckless. Get him off the show. We're going solo the last hour. That is just reckless. Good. Trade him immediately. All right. We got a lot to get to. The best NBA free agent moves, the worst NBA free agent moves. That's coming up next. He's Drew Carter. 
and we'll see if he's going to be back. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast.